always a strange feeling when a priest is on vacation for a while. As I was processing in, I was thinking to myself, I know I'm forgetting something, but so far I haven't forgotten anything, so we will find out. Our Lord today says, come to me all you who are labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me all you who are labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. I think all of us would admit in some way we are labor, labored and burdened, and so we seek this rest from God, and ultimately peace and rest, the sublime peace, the sublime rest, which surpasses all understanding, can only come about by being united to God. It is in our union with God that we will have rest, and it is in union with God that we will have peace. And God greatly desires this union even when we forget about it, even when we wander astray. He never ceases to call us back. And the union which comes about in the time of Christ through grace is more profound, I think, than we often imagine. For God is present and united to all things as cause to effect. He is present insofar as he holds all things in existence, for in him we live and move and have our being. But to the soul who is in a state of grace, God's union with them is even more profound. Our Lord in the Gospel of John says, whoever loves me will keep my word and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our dwelling within him. For those who love the Lord, not merely with feeling, but with sort of an operative love, they keep the words of Christ, and they become a dwelling of God. They become a temple, as Paul says, of the Holy Spirit. God dwells then within their soul. He is known by the soul by faith, and he is loved by the supernatural virtue of charity. And what should happen in the spiritual life as you grow in charity, as you grow in faith, as those two virtues become more ardent, and as you spend more time in prayer, that's why I try and always get you guys in the Adoration Chapel and praying the Rosary, what happens is the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially the gift of wisdom, allows the soul to feel, to experience the presence of God within them. They begin to know God in a profound way. They begin to experience this union with God, and this should grow over time and bear fruits in eternal life. The soul recognizes profoundly that God dwells within them, and the soul recognizes it is united to God, and the soul more and more desires solely to be united to God, because in God alone is it finding its joy, its happiness, its peace. And so we should all desire that. That's the end for which we were made, union with God. And the way to get there is given to us by our Lord. Our Lord always gives us the way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Take the yoke of the Christian life, the yoke of the gospel, and he is meek and humble of heart. Our Lord there could have brought forth any of the many virtues. He could have brought forth any of the examples that he gave, but he chose two. He said meekness and humility. Those above all else are the virtues which unite us to God. Humility is the root of all virtue. It is the root of the spiritual life. It is the recognition of God's greatness and our own nothingness before him. And so humility causes us to forget ourselves and to seek God and God alone and to seek that union. 
Meekness, St. Francis de Sales used to call it the flower of the virtues. In the same way that the flower sort of entices by its fragrance, by its beauty, so meekness of all the virtues entices others to the Christian life. As many of you know, even if we love our neighbor, if we lack meekness, we often come off as sort of abrasive and we drive people away. Meekness does the exact opposite. It attracts. It was the meekness of Christ on the cross when he forgave his crucifiers. It was the meekness of Christ at the pillar and when he was crowned with thorns, which humbly accepted what was given to him. He was cursed and he did not curse back. He returned a blessing instead. And that is what we are called to do in the example of Christ. Meekness is all, often seen as sort of a weakness, but if you look at history, it has conquered all things. The early Christians, when they were persecuted, when they were put to death by the Romans, they did not go out and grab swords. They did not go out and grab spears. They grabbed hold of the virtue of meekness. With ardent faith and with ardent charity, they offered themselves to God. And in the end, the meekness of the martyrs conquered the Roman Empire. People saw the meekness of Christians and were so attracted to that movement that they joined in mass. And so now, long after the Roman Empire has failed, the Catholic Church remains. And long after Nero and Caesar and Augustus have been forgotten, those Roman martyrs, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, they are still celebrated. They conquered with meekness in the same way that Christ conquered with meekness on the cross. And so we must imitate those virtues, and through them we will find union with Christ. We must also seek union with Christ above all else through the most holy Eucharist. It's called communion for a reason. You are united in union with God through the Eucharist. Your body receives bread and wine, but your soul receives God himself. Your intellect is united to the light of Christ. Your heart is united to the ardent fire of the sacred heart of our Lord. Holy communion above all else unites us to Christ. When it is done reverently, when it is done with zeal, with humility, with meekness, with good preparation, with the confession of sins, nothing unites us more closely to Christ than Holy Communion. It attains what all the other sacraments point towards, which is union with God himself.